Hello, welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Ferrer. Today on the show, I have Santiago Burge, Executive Chairman of Lumiant. Lumiant is a platform that helps advisors discover what really matters to their clients and helps them have more deep and meaningful conversations and guiding them along the way to a more deep and meaningful and prosperous engagement. And with that, here's my interview with Santiago. Santiago, thanks for giving the time. Pleasure to be here, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yes. So Santiago Burge of Lumiant, tell us about Lumiant. Well, in its simplest form, it was this, that all that extraordinary conversation that happens between an advisor and a client currently now goes into a filing cabinet and we anchor our experience in something we can control, which is a product. We can't control, I should say. So, you know, if we don't know what's going to happen to the markets. We've got no idea what's going to happen in performance. You know, are we going to outperform? Probably not. Have we given our clients the best chance of success? Yes. But that extraordinary reason why that client signs up, that human connection, that relationship, we wanted to create a platform that heroed that. Um, all that amazing gold and values and our best life and everything they want to achieve and everything you've helped them achieve over their lifetime. We wanted to create a platform that heroed that. We wanted to create a place where I think any great advice firm gets this. It cannot be people dependent. It must be process driven. It must be systemizable. It must be unquestionably built around the client. And when we thought about technology that has been used in the financial services industry to date, and in my background, I'll probably unpack a little bit later, we realized that everything's been built for the sale. That first three months of the customer experience, you know, that whole onboarding process. I got a great little tool that you can show you how you may be able to do this, or I got a risk profiling tool, or I got a calculator, or I got something, right? Um, and then after that, it's I'm a good guy and how's the family? And we wanted to create something that was for that 30 years of that customer journey where their entire life, everything, the incredible intangibility of advice is heroed. And those clients can come in and have a meeting with their advisor who may be completely different from the person they met 10 years ago and everything they've ever achieved is in one place. So we're going to dive into the journey of what that looks like shortly, but tell me about the history. So basically, how did Lumen come to be? Well, so I'm 20, what am I, 24 years in the industry, started off as a junior, brought into advice firm, still own that today, chair that. Started to think early on in my career that it was all us about, right? So everything was wrong, the wrong way around. You know, I was the the people getting paid the most for the platforms, the the custodians, the asset managers. And I was the guy at the bottom of the food chain, taking all the risk, having all the cost and getting paid last. And it just seemed wrong to me. And, and that made me start to challenge it. So we, we built a tent with a simple idea that we wanted to have, we wanted to put the client at the core. So how could we create a process where every client was treated individually around what was important to them, not to us? So I was, I quite frankly, was offended by myself. And, you know, this is a confronting statement I'm about to make because a lot of people are going to hear this and go, oh, crap, that's me. But I knew what I was selling a client when they walked in the door. They met a good guy, I got to know them, and then I sold them what they were going to be sold regardless of what they said. I had my product in my back pocket, and it was there waiting to be sold at the right time. And, yes, I cared about them, and, yes, I got to know them, and, yes, I understood all their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, but ultimately everything was anchored in this product that I had ready for them. That's wrong. That's not a profession. That's a salesman. I'm a salesman if I know what I'm selling a client to walk, there, walk in the door. A profession doesn't know what they're selling. A profession listens to the client, understands what's important to mm-hmm. them. And with that information, with information, they give, get gain consent to design an experience for those clients to align their money to what's important to them and live the lives that are most important to them. And so that journey of building a TAM, which I've since sold, is a big part of it. But then I started to realize that I'd fixed the wrong problem, that the true value of advice is helping people live the lives they dreamt of, not the products that they did not. That was leaving me. So in 2020, March 2020, coincidentally COVID, I approached my chairman in my other firm and said, I'm done. You know, This is not for me. This is not my 
last destination. Someone has to build this. Someone has to build a platform that heroes the extraordinary tangibility of advice. And we started off in that journey. We did a, a human-centered design approach in Sydney, clearly an Australian. And we worked on that for six months. A million dollars later, we started to build it. And it, again, it was just a module at a module. And you 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 lent on this at the start, Jason. You know, we mm-hmm. we had a uh, we started with a very values-driven approach. So a basic principle that you can't help people in relation to their life unless you understand what drives them in life. And that is their values. It is not their goals. Goals change. Values tend to not. And they do over long terms, but not over short terms. Goals change regularly. So we build a process to help people identify what and what drives them in life. Now, I want to be really clear here. And this is this is going to be probably the anchor point of the conversation we have right now. What I, I quickly realized is that 90% of people who walk in to see an advisor are non-financial spouses. They generally do not know what they need to, don't need to do. And these non-financial spouses have been utterly ignored by our profession forever. Mm-hmm. We have given them a logon to an investment platform. No, seriously. That they are never logging on. They couldn't care less. They'll fall asleep. They're not going to read the investment proposal document. They couldn't care less about a risk profiling document. They are completely disengaged with what we are using. And what we realized is that we needed to engage them around what was important to them, and that was their lives. And so we built this values-based process. And over time now, I think we're 12 modules deep now. We started with module one in 18 months ago. And the entire journey of that client from their goals to their values to their, their advice areas we're working on, to the strategies, to their document storage, to their entire family tree infrastructure, all the way through to their legacy tree infrastructure. So the ability to record their wills, you know, even their ability to record, Jason, you can leave a message to your next of kin in the platform. And this is the reason why I did have structured what I struck and, and done. And before you do anything, please ring Sandy because Sandy knows why we did these things. And, and kids, you know, we hope you have a beautiful life. We love you. And remember, life is short. Enjoy the journey. I almost cry every time I say that but because I imagine myself saying it. But we wanted to build a platform that heroed that life and that advice. And and, and quite frankly, you know, we sat there and we realized that there's two personas in, in an advice business, right? And we have built world-class tech infrastructure for alpha persona. Like we have built world-class. They can log on and see performance mm-hmm. reports and, you know, you know, sharp ratios and look at all the crap that doesn't matter. Well, speak for yourself. I live in Canada. We haven't built world-class anything, but continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Half your audience, maybe. And then, uh, you know, we've built awful technology to hero the advice we give. That's Lumion. Well, I mean, it's... You know, it's an interesting common problem, right? And actually, so it, it, a couple of things. First off, the data on spouses, the non-financial spouse leaving the advisor after the financial spouse basically dies, it has just been known for years that the majority of them are gone out the door, right? Because they never feel connected to. Right. I've even, I think to even examples in my practice where we basically, you know, I mean, with new prospects and one spouse sits there quietly. And then I ask them, okay, that person's done speaking now. What, what do you think about all this? And they're like, well, you know, I don't mind here. I'm just here to observe. I'm like, no, <laughs> if, if you don't speak and tell me what matters to you, this is all pointless, right? Like at the end of the day, I'm not running his situation. I'm running your situation, right? So anyway, so it, it's a common problem. And the, the other piece of this is, is the kind of the business aspect of it. And we were introduced through Dennis Mosley Williams, who is both a friend and hilarious uh, at all, at the best of times. And he loves your product. And I get it because the dentist speaks all the time about, about the experience economy and how basically we need to be designing experience and crafting experiences. That's where the value is. People value that. And, you know, I look at some of the, of the previous product examples that have used, like, you know, why does Nike put out 
apps to help you train. They make their money off shoes. They're putting off free apps. Why? Because they're trying to build an experience around it, right? And the reality is, is that the goal is not the shoe. The goal is for me to feel comfortable and work, be able to work out and feel comfortable while working out or maybe I, or collect, right? So the, the, the idea of just selling someone the product, we're just focusing on the end payable because that's what results in the money. We're not focusing on the absolute purpose for why people do things. And that's, that's endemic across almost the entirety of, of industry in the world, maybe with the exception of Disney. So this kind of thinking is long overdue in industry. So I commend you for going on this road. So let's talk about what it is you built and how it engages clients. So talking about the, the journey, you have a client, an advisor using Lumiant, and basically they meet a new client or new prospect. What does that experience look like? How do you, how are they going through this and how does it enhance the experience? Yeah, well, so, I mean, I was loving listening to you. There. The, the stats that back all this up are extraordinary. And I, I feel like we're talking about the obvious. Uh, we are talking about the obvious here that this, that let's reimagine the sales process for just one minute. And let's imagine the client coming into our office and at the end of a meeting saying, how do I work with you? And I'm telling all my friends, like, just imagine that comment. And I can guarantee you and anyone who's listening that that will occur if you lead with their life, not with your product. And that's the subtle pitch pitch between selling and serving. When I go to see my lawyer, they have no idea what they're selling me. They're going to understand my problem. Listen to me. As much as we hate you know, spending money with legal firms, they're going to understand my problem. Listen to me and come back to me with advice that will solve the problem or address the issue I've got. And that's the subtlety of what we built. So I would love everyone to imagine. And the other part of it is we wanted to solve a lot of the major problems that sit within any industrialized advice operation. So again, think enterprise, think you've got multiple advisors, think I want to make sure everything is under control. So you know, I think for starters, we're going to laugh one day that we used to send documents to our clients via email. And if that day is probably here right now, actually. I can't speak because I'm sitting on the ISO and advisory board of a company that fixes that problem, but continue. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> well, we should, we should share. But we wanted to create a platform that anything that the client does with you, anytime they interact with you, anything that you launch to them is launched via the platform. And the clients, I'm going to be really, really clear on that, the clients, him and her, 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 him and him are in your platform completing it. So there's no double handling. There's no attachments and PDFs. There's no PowerPoints. There's, no, there's nothing going out, right? This is all the client in your platform completing your risk profile, completing your fact find completing all the processes that you've designed to give them this world-class client experience that Dennis is so passionate about. So we've built that as the foundation, right? So we remember I spent a million bucks trying to create a world-class design and we've done that. Unquestionable, we've won design awards. We have got a place now where the advising and say, you know what, this is the experience I want to run for my clients. And we've built everything. We just need to add the words. All right, so it's there. We then launch it to him on her the clients choose, you can go for her, I'm going to send that. And for him, I'm going to send that. For him, he's non-financial spouse. He couldn't care about the money less. I'm going to send him the stuff about understanding what's important to their lives. And for her, I'm going to send all the financial information and she's going to update all that for us. Then their clients wonderfully and quite kindly have populated our entire platform on behalf of the advisor. No do, no double handling, no mm -hmm. staff entering stuff. So that, that in itself is a game changer. But then we've built a journey where really it's up to the advisor to decide. So we've got a deep values-based process to help people identify their values in life. It's gamified. It's fun. The clients are going to choose their top five values each, and then they're going to come together as a family to choose what their family values are and why. And I can 
tell you, Jason, with so much passion, I guess, that three out of 10 clients will have an extremely emotional response to the why question. So why is that the most important thing to your life, Sandy? You know, so my number one value in my life is nurture my relationships. And I'm going to get emotional when I talk about that because it's me. It's the most important thing to my life. I'm already welling up thinking about it in my eyes right now. Uh, anyone who is values driven will find the question of why is that the most important thing in your life quite extraordinary. Now, the advice industry just hasn't happened to me. Well, if they've been having these conversations, it's been done by pen, paper, and notepad. In our platform, it's Amazon Alexa. And Alexa just records the conversation with the client and brings it through to text. There is no file note. It's done. And that, that is extremely powerful. So the client's now chosen a journey. We understand what drives them a life. So I guess their values is all their goals. So all the really world-class, beautiful UI, the clients can update all their imageries of every goal they want to achieve, all the tasks to achieve them. The advisors can build all the key advice areas that they work on in their platform. So, you know, we've already pre-populated 12, but you can go in and add more. And this is so your team's got, oh, I'm going to choose that advice area, I'm going to choose that advice area, I'm going to choose that advice area, and I'm going to choose these strategies to link to those. These are the tasks we need to achieve to get to them. And then ultimately, Jason, that comes through to one simple statement is, after the end of that is, can the client live the lives that they dreamt of or not? And here's what I want to get, pass on to what, when I look at financial planning, and not, look, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? I have seen most bullshit. I've said a bit of it. I've listened to the best. When I dumb down financial planning, it is a series of trade-offs at turning points in life. That is it. And those trade-offs are savings, spending, time, risk, and legacy. Savings, spending, time, when do I want to have those achieve those goals? Risk, how much risk or volatility I'm willing to accept to get to those goals? And legacy, how many people do I want to help in my life now and afterlife? And how do I want to do that? And if it's afterlife, well, then I'm going to have to leave a chunk of money aside to make sure that that's there for them. If it's now, it's going to be helping charity, community, children, grandchildren, whatever it may be. And time is, you know, obviously. Now, we build a, a tool to do that, to help clients understand those trade-offs. And I get excited about that because I have nothing against risk profiling tools. There's some great ones out in the world, right? Mm -hmm. and, and nothing against them. But it is a pointless, meaningless, meaningless, useless waste of time in a standalone basis. And the non-financial mm -hmm. spouse is never, is never going to do it. Now, why do I say that? Because the only risk profile that matters is can the client, what volatility, what risk am I willing to accept to live the life that I dreamt of? It's got nothing to do with anything else. It is as simple as that. And if I can get my client to say, in order to retire at 60 and have a holiday home at Whistler and to put the kids through private school or college or whatever it may be, I need to do, I need to accept X volatility, then that is the world's best risk profile. And we tied that together to help clients understand that. Now, ultimately, the client can say, you know what, I'm not willing to accept that volatility. Well, okay, we need to save more, spend less, change the time, or help others less. So maybe the kids don't get to go to private school. They get to go to the local mm -hmm. school. Trade-off. Nothing wrong with it. Trade-off. But when we thought about bringing the whole client journey through a platform, and this was the million bucks we spent up front, it is values, goals, it's key advice series, it's strategies, it's tasks to achieve them. It's can those clients live the best life and what risk are they willing to accept to lead their best life? And, you know, again, not being the sharpest tool in the shed, if you think about risk profiling, what am I trying to understand? How much volatility can they accept before they can't sleep at night? And the only way I can trade that off is by, by showing that they were informed 
and that they gave consent to that information. That's a basic compliance principle. Uh This is 101 of compliance. And this is our entire job. If, you know, compliance is, you know, I don't know what the different markets are around the world, but if I simplify compliance, did the client understand what they were doing and did they give consent to do that? The Uh only way to improve informed consent is to evidence education. And that with that knowledge, the client made a decision that was informed. And that's what we built through the whole platform. Everything is about trying to show that the clients were were brought along a journey together with their extraordinary advisor who has spent the time to truly, genuinely understand what drives them in life. That, my friend, is a profession. That is absolutely the profession. Oh, boy. So um, <laughs> I went through your demo and uh, when we, we were kind of to show it to me last time. And it was like, okay, you kind of broke my kind of structure of how I think about these things now. And I'm still reconstructing that. And I know it's going to have an impact on how I do things. But it was, um, it was, no, it's fine. <laughs> you know, no, no art is ever done. It's just, you know, abandoned. And something, you know, if, especially if you're in business, the art is continuously worked upon. So it is what it is. Okay. So bottom line is, is that instead of you're, you're really, really putting the horse before the cart in this and, and, and then spending a, instead of just asking, you know, what are your goals, right? That's typical typical uh, situation. And the honest truth is most people don't know what their goals are when putting that in a context, right? You know, when you start asking them about what matters to them, you know, that language, that subtle language difference is important because I think most of us at the top of our head would be able to say, okay, like here's the people that matter the most to me in my life or the things that matter the most to me in my life. It's just, it's, it's because that's what we confront every day. The a process that that starts there and filters out filters out exactly what the implications of of what it means to basically make those things that matter in their lives come to fruition in a way that they see fit is is really the core of it, right? Is really the core of what planning should be about. It's it's maximizing that. But again, the entire industry is flipped on its head around. You know, we get deceived by the point of sale. Actually, I'm going to borrow a line from um, what was the show Halt and Catch Fire. I'm sure he stole from somewhere, but you know, it's about computers. Like computers aren't the thing. Computers are the thing to get us to the thing. And the financial plan is not the thing. The financial plan is the thing that gets us to the thing. But but really, you have to have a deep understanding. You have to, but if I have anything, the values and goals are the thing that gets you to that thing that is the financial plan in a lot of ways. So it's it's this never ending kind. Of, it's almost like a like a nesting doll that you have to get one to the other. So anyway, so you have that. You you built this experience. You basically what are the what are the actual what is the client centered experience piece of this look like when they're interacting? I mean, there's a secure portal. They can they can offer questions. But in terms of the ongoing engagement and how the demonstration of continued value happens. Talk to me about what that looks like. Yeah. Oh, mate, I love listening to you. Yeah, look, I'm going to just tie off one point you said. You know, the financial plan is, a, I'm going to say it again, a, a pointless, meaningless waste of time document. It's a magical document that goes produced and it goes onto a coffee table and maybe dies somewhere. Here's it's a snapshot in time is what I always say. It's a snapshot in time. And yeah. That's that's the best you can hope for, plus the direction where you're supposed to go. But, it, you know, it's, if it's yeah. Anyway, my, my long story so, short is if it's not done, it's, it's useless. But it has to be meaningful in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, we all we've done is bring it to life. So all we've done is bring that extraordinary human connection and relationship that, that the reason why those clients signed up with you and your firm to life. That's all we've done. I created a world-class journey for them in the platform. So that goes to your next point. The holy grail for us, and we're not there yet, is we want particularly the non-financial spouse logging into the platform regularly. So we want this, the stats are quite frankly, in investment platforms globally, two to 5% of clients log on. Not good, right? So we've spent all this time and money building the stuff that people don't care about. So we wanted to build a platform that they do care about. So it's got to lead with life, not money. 
And one of the things that we've just started to launch, and there's tech out there, the standalone does this, but again, we, you know, we have tried to ball the ocean a little bit with Lumion in such a respect that and this is kind of my DNA, right? We're never going to do, I'm never going to create a uh, financial planning tool better than Money Guide Pro, right? I'm never going to do that. But we can do 80, 80 90% of it really well. And this is the same when we think about nudging. So we're building nudges into the platform so the ability to remind the clients of things that they need to do. But it's more than tasks, right? It's the tasks are the basic stuff. Can you upload those documents, blah, 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 blah. It's reminding Jason and his partner on Monday morning that these are the important things in your life, mate. Don't forget it, right? These are the reasons why you live. This is your values. These are the things that we're working on for you on your behalf. And it might be Monday mornings. It might be once a month. But the ability to nudge the client to their email or text knowing that clients are six times more likely to respond to text messages over emails and remind them of things that we need to get done or things that we're working on or things that we've helped them achieve. And it might be on their birthday. This is the stuff we've achieved in the last year for you. So, you know, again, heroing advice. I keep using those two words together, right? We have not created a platforms that hero. So I'm, I'm being mean, right? But I'm doing, I'm putting stakes in the ground here so people can understand and or challenge their own thinking. You know, I talk about the financial plan not being very worth worth a lot, but it's worth what the advice that you've given is worth a heap. And the things that you've helped them achieve is worth a heap, but they can't see that. It's in a document. And so all we've done is bring all that to life. And all the help things that, you know, over the 10 years of our relationship, Mr. and Mrs. Client, we've helped you achieve. Here it is. Clients forget, right? Markets go down. All my last year's five-year turns have been wiped out. What have you done for me? We've done all this. And that's the basic principle then, therefore, by bringing the client back to the platform. So to fill out a form, they're in the platform. To update a document, they're in the platform. To update their banking detail, they're in the platform. To link their banks, they're in the platform. To update their wills, they're in the platform. To bring their insurances in, they're in the platform. To complete tasks that we've set them, they're in the platform. To have their review meeting, they're in the platform. And while we're talking about review meetings, you know, I, I have to keep reminding advisors that you have two personas that walk in your door and you have a piece of technology stack right that only talks to one of the personas, which are about 10% of your clients who are financial spouses, they're engineers and teachers. I don't know if that that, that example goes around the world, but in Australia, engineers and teachers want to know the detail. They want to be in the numbers. They want to understand everything. The rest of them just want to know, can they live the lives that they dreamt of? And so we think of Lumion as a tech stack for that beta client, the non-financial spouse. So there's 90% of clients that walk in the door. That is your tech stack. But it might be one of your review meetings every year is alpha. We're going to talk about the numbers. And one of your review meetings is every year is beta. And in that beta meeting, huh. you're going to make sure they're both there. And you will not have it unless they are both there. Because we're going to get into the hard stuff. We're going to get into the why and make sure what the work we are doing is actually achieving your why. Because if we're not achieving your why, then what's the frigging point? point? I mean, I get 1% return above a benchmark. Who cares? I'm miserable. Let's be honest, right? That's the value advice. And I'm not suggesting here we become, you know, life coaches or, or psychologists. I'm suggesting here that this is the profession that is best set and suited to help people lead the lives that they dreamt of. The statistics suggest that we are the 17th most noble profession in the world and doctors are number one. That annoys the shit out of me. Doctors, financial planners are the number one. We do more than doctors. We help our clients in so many more ways. We keep them away from doctors. When you're in a bad health situation or, you know, needs surgery. Yes. The doctor is the shining star and the unit and the most important person in your world. But when everything is going okay or not okay, or just, you know, average every day, and you have someone in your corner trying to make your life better, which is our, really our only job who beats that. 
Who really beats who beats that? it? And I, you know, that getting too deep. If you help people live their lives close to their values, and I mean people, I mean mums and dads and children and and everything, they're going to be happier. It's as simple as that. Yep, absolutely. So, Sadie, I will do this because we're going to wrap up with the questions in a couple of seconds. But I would encourage everyone to do a demo of of, of Lumia uh, because I think it's really a little bit hard to wrap your head around until you start seeing it. And when you see it and start wrapping your head around how your experience with your consumers will change, I think that it really speaks for itself very, very loudly. And uh, like I said, you kind of, you know, broke my brain a little bit as to how I think things should be handled. And I've been already saying like, I, you know, I need to book, build more of a values discovery piece into my practice. And when I saw what you were doing and I was like, okay, no, no, I need to make my, I need to make my practice solely about values, discovery and meaning. And that's, that's where it came from. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody. First one is, if you had one wish for something to change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? Oh God, I wish I got this prior. That 51% of advisors would be women. Should be. <laughs> it's currently, it's currently 16 to 20%. It's a, it's a disgrace. Yeah. I know the, the reason why I know we know it's a poor reflection on what we do. Yep. 100% agree. And, you know, I've when I've taught financial planning at university level and I've talked about what career looks like in this, I encourage women to take a very good look at it because especially if you're running your own independent practice, look, the work-life flexibility that it affords you is hard to find in an employed job. Everybody these days wants to work in something that gives them meaning. Well, good luck finding a better meaning than making everybody's life better. And, and frankly, the Quite honestly, the statistics all prove women are on average better at this, right? They're more likely to be listeners. They're more likely to hear people's journeys. They're not going to over inundate them typically with numbers like like beta and and sharp ratios and all this other nonsense that no one really wants to hear. And in addition to that, uh, they tend to be better investors. <laughs> so it's... Uh, it, it, yeah. it, it, I, I wrote an article on it several years ago. I'm, I'm probably less informed than I am today, this article. I got man-hated. Like literally people reaching out to me, ripping me a new one. And I was right though, even though, you know, it's seven or eight years ago, you, what everything you just said is in my DNA that we need to, to create a platform and a profession that attracts women and, and helps them feel like this, it's not just, we're not just saying it, you know, I can spend a heap of time getting to know you and your partner. And, and then next meeting, I've got a performance report. I'm not just saying it. I'm actually living it. You said all this stuff mm -hmm. was important to you and here it is recorded and what we're working on. So that's a big part. So yeah, tough question. But I think if I left this profession, you know, and whenever, and I was part of helping that occur, I would be really, really content. I hear you on that one. So second question is, what's been the biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? Advise apathy, not having a go at you, Jason. Some of your stuff you said is genuine and it's right. I've always done it this way, uh, change. I'm already really good at this. I don't need technology to support it. You know, I'm too busy. I'm still trying to get my financial planning technology to work right or I've got my custodians right or, or whatever it is. You know, all these things. So here's the, here, here, here's the frustration with that comment that I the only thing that matters in any advice firm is the client experience. That is the only thing that matters. The rest is complete and utter BS. Client doesn't care about, mm -hmm. doesn't value it. 30 buck an hour stuff, outsource it. Who knows? Who cares? Get it done. It doesn't matter. The only thing you must control in your journey with your client is the client experience. That is the only thing that matters. That is where all the value lies. And I've had a lot of trouble convincing advisors because they've been trained so well by a, a product industry to productize their offering. It's um, old habits die hard. 
Uh, it's funny. I kind of started chuckling when you said advisor complacency because yes, welcome to the frustration of my life uh, on so many things. It's, you know, whether that be regulatory reform we're pushing for or any number of other things, it's like, I don't know who taught people or why humans are prone to, oh, I've swung a golf club this way for about 24 months, so therefore it can never change. Like that seems to be it. And the everybody wants change, but no one wants to change. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world. And I remember one time when coaching a young advisor, said something to the effect. He's like, oh man, I feel like, you know, what you just show me, I feel like I got to rebuild everything I've, I've been working on. And my response is, well, that, that's good because I think I've rebuilt my my entire practice three times, maybe four times now, or working on the fourth time now. And, and frankly, yeah, you should, because that's just evolution. The business that you're running today is not the business you're going to run in 20 years. If it is, you're not going to be doing very well. Uh, in most cases. So, yeah, can so, I pick on a little point you said there too? You said a word business. Means. You said a word business, and you're quite yeah, right. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, this has been a cottage industry in Australia. Uh, I, I can't speak for Canada. Like US is probably much more mature. We haven't thought like business people, and business people would go the non negotiables are the client experience, the systemization around the client experience. Uh, it must be process driven. It can't be people dependent. I'm going to outsource everything that is not client valued. You, we haven't thought about it. these are basic principles of running an advice firm. Every client that comes in must get an extraordinary experience and it must be the same. It has to be because it's my brand. It cannot be, oh, I'm going to have to train Junior to do it. It's going to take Junior 10 years. Junior, here's the process we follow. Follow the process the client will engage. And the, one of the great frustrations I have is the cottage nature of our industry where the, these people that maybe shouldn't be in business are in business because you know they've been able to make enough money because there's so much friggin' money around. I hear you. And I tell you, I think it's having talk to advisors around the world. Uh, the problem exists everywhere. I think it's it's actually worse in Canada. Than, and the US is probably furthest ahead on this. They're just, you know, those people are just entrepreneurial by nature from the time of born, right? And the number one tip I give most business, uh, most advisors is think like an entrepreneur. Think like an entrepreneur. And the problem is, is that more often than not, when people get brought into the business, they're brought in as an employee or they're brought into an, or they're brought into a shop whereby they got to, you know, sink or swim. And the dealers in the service providers are all complicit in this. It's like, don't worry about anything. We take care about everything. Just go deal with your clients. Just do that. Right. So they never develop those muscles. They never develop those abilities to start to think to do it. And my favorite, my, you know, continue the favorite story where people are like, oh, I really want to professionalize my practice. What should I do? And my first question is, how often you look at your financials? And what's the universal answer? Well, it's one my, my accountant gives me my taxes once a year. It's like, do you think that's how you run a business? Mm-hmm. You can't even begin to start making large strategic decisions until you don't even have a funda- foundational understanding of what your actual financials look like, right? Like, so it's just a, it's just a kind of litmus test. Anyway, um, I feel like we could agree about things all day. Let's move on to the last question. And that's what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up in the morning to keep on fighting the good fight? Supporting entrepreneurialism and independence, helping this industry achieve its potential. It's in my DNA since I was a kid, really. So I can't change who I am. And, you know, I want to break, you know, and I, I'm not saying I broke them by any means, but I was part of the part of the, the young and up-and-comers that broke the banking hold of advice in this country and challenged it from day one. And, and you know, in Australia now, we have a thriving independent advice industry with entrepreneurialism occurring and, and an industry finally achieving its potential because they're only acting in their business and clients' best interests, not products or anything like that. Uh, yeah. So I'm proud to be part of that journey. Uh, and I want to be proud of helping that occur all around the world. And that'll keep me going, I think, because no one else wants to do it. I might as well do it. There's, there's a small cohort of us, my friends. So <laughs> Santiago, thank you so much for your time. I very much appreciate it. My pleasure, Jason.
So that was this week's episode of Fintech Impact. Hope you enjoyed it. And legitimately, if you're a financial planner, please take the time to check out Lumiant. I'm sure that if, like me, it's going to make you rethink how your practice works. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.